Hey, fam bros, this is Tatiana King-Jones, and on this episode, we welcome writer and editor Joe Illich. We talk about the latest Marvel movie, Ant-Man. And we also ask the question, is Batman racist? Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. My name is Amanda Waller. I am not your mother, your maiden aunt, or your friend. I am your warden, and you are my prisoners. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans or something to that extent. It's your boy, DJ Ben Hameen, a.k.a. Drizzit Do or Do Not, a.k.a. Veggie Sausage, a.k.a. Lucius Lion-O, in the building tonight hey. on the spaceship. We are here. It's the voice of the Urban Geek. And as always, I'm joined by Tatiana King-Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ahura of the Spaceship, the Black Russian, the Black Rogue, the Stiletto Stunner, and Lambo Calrissian. And in the third seat, chilling out, Chico Rum Diaries Leo, <laughs> straight, straight from uh, Tatooine. Yo, you look straight up like Johnny Depp right now. I, that, that's, what all, that's what all the ladies say. Straight up, man. You shaved your beard. You're looking cool and clean. You got your, I don't even know what this is. Your this is my Panama hat. hat. My Panama, Panama straw hat, hat right? Oh, Chico's over here looking like Manolo without Scarface right now. <laughs> Yo, it's hot out there. It's yes. hot out there. I had to trade in my Jedi robes for this uh, this outfit. Most definitely. I like the socks. Right. right well, I you was know, just thinking them socks, <laughs> I boy. He's trying to take my AKA sort of be- sock lord over here. Oh, no, that's mean. His. Definitely, that's you got to step up your sock game when you roll with him because uh, you're going to get left behind. <laughs> hey, you know, I like to set a standard for fan bros that's everywhere. That's right. And sitting in the spaceship tonight, longtime friend of the show, one of the original fan bros himself, mm-hmm. Mr. Joe Illich is in the building. Thank you very much. I think I'm going to call myself Joe Jamaican Rum Illich tonight and take it back to my heritage with my mom. Uh, nice, nice, nice. So we have Jamaican Rum and the Rum Diaries that's in right. the building tonight. <laughs> that's it, that's it. It's a lot of drinking on the spaceship. You know, it might get a little wavy in here as we move through the internets. I hope everyone out there is having a great time, a great week, a great life, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. How's everybody doing? How y'all been? Good, man. Just just flew back in from L.A., from the sunshine and the great weather to 99.9 degrees in New York City. Hot like fire out there, man. Jesus. You know, it is cooking. It feels like Houston Tejas up in this joint right now. But, you know, I saw on your Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts, at mm-hmm. Tatiana King, mm-hmm. you uh, managed to catch Ant-Man while you were out in L.A. I did. I went to the gorgeous Arclight Theater, which is uh, the dopest theater I've probably ever been to. Mm. Um, I went and saw it in the dome part of that theater. So for people who are familiar, it's like, I don't even know how many stories high this thing is. This thing is huge. It's like an IMAX, beyond IMAX screen, and it's this big, huge room you sit in just for that one movie. Wow. But... Ant-Man, such a good movie. I am pleased beyond pleased. I am refreshed. I am happy. I am actually kind of shocked how much I like the movie. Because when I went in there, I didn't really have much of a 
say so either way. I was just like, well, I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be bad. I'm not even an Ant-Man fan like that. But let me tell you, I'm an Ant-Man fan now. Mm, all wow. Yeah, it seems like everyone, it's gotten a lot of positive reviews, and I'm wondering if it's because everyone had low expectations going in. Um, I'm hearing, every, like, a lot of people are like, yo, I was mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised. Yo, yeah. I thought, you know, um, Paul Rudd was dope. Yeah, I think the ensemble cast as a whole was dope. It wasn't really just one person who made it good. Like, T.I., Michael Pena, and everyone who was involved really played their role and like, it just made it enjoyable overall. And that I think that's also, to agree with you, Chico, that's part of it. It's I didn't have the highs of expectation. I was kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. And then, two, I think what really helped was the fact that I had very basic prior knowledge of Ant-Man and the Ant-Man stories. And I think one of the things about Marvel movies, which is why they're always so popular, is you don't have to have that background necessarily of all of these characters you may have either the base level or no understanding of these characters and you can still enjoy it and i would argue you may enjoy it even more because you don't have that background constantly swirling in your head like oh they didn't do this person this way or they didn't use the same colors or they didn't use the same costume i think when you remove that barrier that you're able to enjoy it even more Oh, definitely. I think that's a big problem, especially amongst the hardcore fans. Yeah. They sit there in movies and they're like, man, it's not like this. It's not like that. And it's like. Mm, it doesn't matter, though. Like, as we've seen, most of these Marvel movies are, there's a lot of stuff that's just off canon and it works. By now, it's like you have to accept the movie universe is a completely di- different universe than exactly either the right. comics, the Marvel, the Ultimate, whatever universe you want to say. That's it. But, Joe, you had some, uh, I won't say issues, but you had some thoughts on the multi-racial uh, cast. All right, I mean, first we'll start off with the positive that in terms of a superhero movie, Ant-Man was a lot of fun, and I think this was the biggest commitment they really made to the comedy genre, I mean, more so than even Guardians of the Galaxy, and because of that, you know, reportedly it really tracked well with women and families. Mm. And I mean, Paul Rudd, when I first heard he was going to be in it, it wasn't even a thought to me. I didn't like it or dislike it either way, but the thing is, they know how to pick likable male stars Mm -hmm. you know the same way that chris evans as steve rogers is just so likable and humane and they even do his makeup so that he looks like someone out of a norman rockwell or a jc leindecker paintings the same way that chris pratt is just so likable as peter quill i mean paul rudd is really likable as scott lang i mean coming from the comic book background i really liked their nod to the old tales to astonish stories with ant-man and the wasp when they did the back the back, the flashback scene, you know yeah. what I'm that saying? That was incredible. They so, even said it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. They said Taylor Swift's Tonish. Like, so that was brilliant, the way they did the different timelines, the beginning with Peggy Carter and yeah. Stark yeah. as part of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that whole thing. So the way they melded into the architecture is really brilliant, and I liked it that way. The front on which I didn't like it, right, is... You know, I look at the black and Latino characters, and I remember years back when the UPN network premiered and Dwayne McDuffie and I had a discussion. Mm. And what he basically said is, there's nothing wrong with showing black people in one way, but you have to have a balance. So if you have balanced representation, it's cool. But when your representation of the black culture is Wood Harris as an imbecilic cop, and T.I. as a stereotypical criminal, and that's the extent of it, then I have a concern with that. If your extent of Latino representation is Bobby Cannavale, 
not the smartest cop in the world again because he's reduced to comedy relief. And Michael Pena, who's an amazing actor, you know, you're talking about four actors who have been in some really critically acclaimed television shows and films. And between the four of them, I didn't get a sense of the breadth of representation of people in those two categories. So like even when I wrote my latest column, I said, look, you could have thrown Bill Foster from the comic books in there who was a black biochemist and is very much integrated into the Ant-Man and Giant Man mythology and who has interacted with Stark and the two Pims, three characters who have been represented in film. And automatically you could have said, okay, there's three different types of black people there. But when you only have two of them and none of them are really impressive, then it's like, you know, so that was my only negative, I would say. And but other than that, the film was fun. And that was fair. Yeah, definitely. And also, I I will not really disagree, but I did think I mean, I would have liked to see Bill Foster, too. But like you said in your article, spoiler alert. In the Civil War comic books, Bill Foster is killed off in the most ridiculous manner. <laughs> exactly. And so I didn't want to see him for that fear because if he right. shows up in this movie, there's plenty of opportunity to kill him in Civil War. Yeah. So it's like, oh, Fair. You Fair. Know, I'd rather them not have Bill Foster in this. And also I thought that it's one of those things, it's such a fine line, like you say, though, because it's it's a comedy. Right. And everyone yeah. in it is pretty much, you know, comedy relief for somebody at some point in the movie. Everybody yeah. that plays the straight man or they're telling the joke at some point. That's a good point. And then you also have Michael, you know, his character having great knowledge of art, of all this other little tidbit, yeah. right. you know, that is this like, is true. They did balance that. This is true. And to be fair, in terms of black characters, they also had Anthony Mackie's yes. Falcon yes. in there. Yes. But the thing is, the way he portrayed himself, except for the fight scenes, was kind of like this secondary character because number one he got beat by Ant-Man. I disagree. But that though. happened. But <laughs> well, wait, yeah. but wait. He, he came got off beat, as a chump. He got beat by Ant-Man. Now, of course, because it's Ant-Man's film. But then it's like that whole thing about, yo, don't tell Cap about this. Right. I'm I didn't like, like that. I'm like, but wait a minute. I'm like, but wait a minute. But but Cap's not your boss. I thought that was a little you know? slave master ish. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, a little, exactly. just a tiny bit to to, to yeah. ride on your yeah. point. At the same time, I'm more so leaning towards Ben. I mean, I realized very early on it's a comedy, and you're going to have a lot of just comedic. And like as he said, actually, a very good point you made, just the fact that everyone was kind of comedic relief for each other. Right. I, I when I really thought about, it, I'm like, okay, Bird Birdman. <laughs> I thought the Falcon was kind of a chump a little bit, but. It, I, it I worked don't, out. Okay, one, one thing, it is a superhero fight, and, you know, Falcon has no knowledge of Ant-Man's right. abilities. Anything. I thought he's he nev- did good for not having any knowledge. I thought the funniest thing about that fight was that Falcon just pulled out the gats right away. Right, I that was weird. <laughs> like, I thought I that, thought was, that amazing. was amazing. Like, he's like, yo, fuck all that fist yeah. fighting. Like, you know, oh, blah, well, blah, you know Spoiler what? alert, because you're telling people the movie. Now. Well, look, uh, but, but here's the thing. I mean... You got a threat coming to Avengers Mansion. Like it's not about negotiation. No, I, feel, I definitely feel that. <laughs> I just thought it was stupid. Like you know, you you can see this guy. You see, he's like microscopic, damn near, and you start shooting at him. Like, Why not? I mean, what else you gonna do? Punch at him? You know, Falcon's pretty he did limited. Punch at him. <laughs> <laughs> you saw how that turned out. Get a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, something. Right, but I, I think, like I like I said, I, at first I thought that whole thing he made him look like a chump a little bit, but then I had to be reminded this is the first time he's seen this tech. This is the first time he's ever even encountered someone of this nature that can just change size at will. So I understand, like you're not gonna win that. You you, you have very limited knowledge. Definitely. But if was it a Captain America, or somebody else would they have won? Uh, ah, that's true because come on, 
Cap always finds a way to win. True indeed. But that's Captain America about... is Captain America. You know, that's not a really black or white thing. I got to give it to Captain America over Falcon. Fair, fair. Sorry, you know. Right, like, how, right, would right. He have, how would he have seen Ant-Man in the first place? Captain Falcon, America Falcon got, uses... He's got stuff, vis- in his visor, he's got eye-eye things that could, like, you know, uh, totally Captain America has drugs in his system. <laughs> that's how he's going to see Ant-Man. I mean, that's pretty fair. And the thing is, and he's just, like, adaptable, like, He's just presented with a situation and he finds a way to adapt. Like in Age of Ultron, like dude is going up against this thing with superhuman strength that is made of metal and he doesn't care. He's going up against four of them and he doesn't care. He's just like, there's a job to get done and I'm going to get it done. So if he had come across again, Ant-Man, done. Yeah, done. Mm. (laughs) I mean, it also sounds like from from what I've heard, because I guess I'm the only one who hasn't seen it, but like in terms of representation, they also kind of fell down with uh, women that uh, what's her face from oh, yeah. Lost? It was definitely a step down from Toriel in the Lord of well, the Rings. No, 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 no. She, no. I mean, she's integral to the story yeah. because she's she's a smart woman, she's a fighter, and she's basically the one that teaches Scott how well, to do, how everything. To do what he does. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I wouldn't, in terms ca- of, okay. I wouldn't call her right. bad. Rep- yeah. I, if anything, I would call her one of the better representations okay. of women in Marvel. Right. Yeah, I mean, she was cool. The character that was weak in terms of women was Scott's ex-wife. Right, like oh, Ka- yeah. like Cassie's mo- mother, you the know mother, what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. you know, just and she's a, a comedian herself, so yeah. Yeah, there was a great article I read about how she, in particular, her name is Judy Greer. How unfortunately her career is really like damned with all these bad roles. Yeah, <laughs> she's always the best friend, actress. The, uh, I, the 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 wife, the ex-wife. Yeah, she always plays that's kind of the same role. And also, she's I've seen her more in more commercials than I've seen her in in TV shows. Now, yeah, like uh, or movies rather. So, all right, we got a huge show ahead of us as always, but we're gonna take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with more fan bros. <laughs> Hey, I'm Cheska Lee. I'm Patrick. And when we are not picking up our dog's poop, we are listening to the fan bros. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, uh, you want to try that one again? <laughs> the same old G, but I've been low key. Hated on by most of these niggas with no cheese, no deals, and no G's, no wheels, and no keys, no posts, no And welcome back. Internet's the Fan Bros Show. You know what time it is. It's time for our new segment, newish as it is. Geek Wintley asks questions. The guac guac, is extra. The guac is extra. That's right, folks. And today we have a couple of great ones. But first up, Red Shirt Ronnie writes a lot. (laughs) Big shout out to Ronnie because he wrote us a dope ass email. I'm going to skip over it, but I'm going to get to the great part to it. When he said he's been listening to the show since day one, he's a truck driver. All he does is listen to podcasts. Now that's out of the way. When you had your first incarnation of Geek Wendley Asked Questions, someone wrote in about how to get his girlfriend into reading comics. Ben Hameen suggested he introduce her to comics by giving her Why the Last Man. Earlier this year, my wife started showing interest, and I remembered your suggestion. I copped a full series for her. She was reading it and enjoying it, especially Agent 355. A woman of character, a woman of color character that was kicking ass and putting in work. I never read it before I gave it to her, so I never knew that my wife's favorite character. After that, man, my wife was legit pissed. Took me a while to smooth things over. You need to be more careful with your suggestions, homie. Although Invincible is the greatest comic I've read in a long time. Good looking out. 
And now, Ronnie Redshirt's question. We've been getting a lot of superhero movies. Do you think we'll ever get a super villain movie? If so, what villain story would you like to see on the big screen? Mm. So that's a dope question. Yeah. That's a very, so very dope question. Technically, we already have an ensemble with villain movie coming out, Suicide Squad. That's yep. it. That's it. Um, but as like an individual, and I mean like a hardcore. That's you know oh. anti-hero. That's like Punisher. Yeah, that's more anti-hero. Yeah. But like, I you would love to co- see a Joker movie. I mean, yeah, jo- a Joker. Ryan Azzarello's Joker comic. I feel yeah, like all the Batman movies one. are villain movies. Ah, very you true. Know, oh, like, very like, good the job. third one is a Bane movie, the second one is a Joker movie, and the first one is a Ra's al Ghul movie. Yes. Is that, I mean, the you know, the, the Batman universe is like, the, Batman's usually the most boring character in it, in those movies. Well, Batman has the best rogues gallery that's in true. comics. I mean, that's just a fact. In terms of a villain movie, I was going to say Magneto, but... X-Men First Class is basically Magneto guest starring everybody else. I agree. When dude dude goes into the bar, like in the black t-shirt and talks to the two guys Mm. that he's about to kill, I'm just like, yo, I'm done. I'm like, this is Magneto's film. I would Straight watch an up. entire movie of Magneto hunting Nazis. Yeah, seriously. Through like the 40s, 50s. You know what it is? Like, well, I think one of the rules of writing is that your villains have to be more interesting than your heroes. Like, I remember when the Smallville show was out, and I used to say, can I just have the half-hour version with Lex? Right. (laughs) And, like, get Clark out of the way, please. Just give me the Lex Luthor half-hour weekly TV show. That's interesting you say that, because Lex Luthor is probably my most favorite villain, like, in in comics. Now Superman Returns, he isn't, I hope. No, but but my thing is, I feel like no one has really truly played Lex Luthor properly, like, to the point where I was, like get the same feeling I got when I would watch the cartoons. Well, you know, it's interesting. Like, DJ Benamin mentioned the Brian Azzarello Joker graphic novel. There was a companion to that. There was a Brian Azzarello Lex Luthor graphic novel. Mm. And you read that, and that story is really tight because they really paint it as Lex Luthor, the crusader for humanity, against, like, this alien being that you know nothing about that looks like a beautiful white guy yeah. who can decimate the planet in a day. And, and he's protecting the human race, right? So it's like, it's the villain's perspective because, you know, some people say no one sees himself as a villain. Everyone is a hero in their own story. And you better believe in Lex Luthor's mind. He's he a hero. is the he's hero, hero. Yeah. of humanity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's always the vibe I've got. To me, that's yeah. the, I, I've always felt that way about him. I've never seen... I, by by on paper he's a villain but i've never seen him as a quote-unquote bad guy i've yeah. always seen him as exactly what you said someone who is in his own right a hero he's trying to do what he believes is right do you agree with his methods maybe not but i i, I don't see quote-unquote anything wrong with what he's doing well <laughs> you, i mean it's crazy i just met dan DiDio last week during a san diego comic-con so i know i'm kind of taking a leap here but dan this is your buddy joe illich here i think you should have tatiana just write a Lex Luthor miniseries because, like, her point of view is really interesting. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with it. I'm with it. I love Lex. Love, love, love. All right. Well, I could see a Sabretooth movie. Like, I know he was, he's was he been featured or whatever, but in terms of, like, the answer to Ronnie Redshirt's or Redshirt Ronnie's question, um, <laughs> I, you know, what? I, I feel like a Sabretooth movie that doesn't feature Wolverine, that doesn't feature the X-Men, that would be a dope movie. 
Hard to pull off, though. Hard, it's a hard sell right there because people are going to be like, yo, he's got to fight Wolverine in a, in a Sabretooth movie. Right, right, right. End of story. But well, he's already done that. Right, so. that's what I mean. We've seen that, um, yeah. you know, like a good Sabretooth movie. Would that be could be dope. Again, also going through time, you know. Ah, uh, that that would be ill. Through yeah. time? Yeah, okay. definitely. All yeah. right. Well, thank you, Red Shirt Ronnie. And thank you and uh, sorry to your girlfriend about Why the Last Man. It still hurts me, too. Trust oh, his me. wife. Yeah, but, you know, he missed now. an opportunity <laughs> because that's when you console your wife. That's I'm sure he did. What a compassionate man you are. And, hey, one thing can lead to another. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, she's now his wife, so something did lead to another. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. And next up on Guac, we have. We have a question from Red 8 who says or who asks, okay, this is kind of serious, kind of not, but it's something that kind of blew my mind. When I thought about Batman as a concept, it's about a rich white guy swinging into the hood to beat up thugs, mentally troubled people, i.e. Joker. And then I thought about the stance some white people take when they do try to clean up urban areas. <laughs> it isn't about understanding why his villains do what they do and trying to reform them. It's rather about beating their ass into submission and putting them in jail. So, is Batman racist? This Batman's an excellent. asshole. This is excellent. <laughs> yeah. can, can I tackle this that, one? That's yes. The, that's, that's the like first the, question. Like I mean, the, that's the first answer, though. Batman is an asshole. asshole. But as please, like Joe. The ex-Batman editor up in the house, <laughs> I'm going to tackle that question because it's crazy. They really missed an opportunity with the Batman to deal with the dichotomy of the 1% fighting for the 99%. And when that was a narrative a few years ago with Occupy Wall Street, they really failed to plug batman into it and i edited a batman one shot years ago that christopher priest wrote that sean martin bro illustrated called batman the hill and what it was about is there was this neighborhood in gotham called the hill and it's basically where all the poor black people live and batman went over there to basically deal with this drug dealer called Demetrius Corley. And when Batman rolled up in there, no one took him seriously. Like all the brothers was like, what's white man in a costume doing up in here? Like, so Batman's philosophy of projecting fear into these people, it didn't work. Wow. It didn't work in that community. And it didn't work because Batman never went there to do <laughs> oh, anything. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So Batman had to totally alter his approach to help Poor black people. But it also spoke to the fact like, dude, aren't you supposed to defend everybody? So I wouldn't say Batman's an asshole, but unintentionally, Batman is some kind of representation of white privilege. And there's really opportunities to explore things with him. All right. I got to I'll add on to that. And not to say no, I will say that Batman's an asshole because um, another series that kind of deals with this, with this idea that superheroes are assholes is planetary. And oh, in Planetary, yeah. there's a version of the Fantastic Four. Yep. And it's Warren Ellis, right? Yes, yeah, Lord. The God, uh, especially Jesus. for Planetary. I mean, that Planetary, that is the... With art by John Cassidy. Oh, yep. Hands down, one of the greatest comic book series you will ever read. Check fact, it out. Fact. And in Planetary, it's made clear that Fantastic Four are assholes because <laughs> Reed Richards develops all this technology that could change the face of humanity and keeps it locked up in his building with him. Mm -hmm. And goes off on adventures instead of, like, helping the world. So it's like, you're an asshole, Reed Richards, and the rest of the Fantastic Four are in it with you. And so in Planetary, the Fantastic Four are straight villains. Like, they are the villains of the series. Wow. Primarily because they do all this exploring and all this 
they know all this great knowledge and they keep it from humanity. They don't share. I mean, there's definitely a fascistic side of superheroes. I mean, this has come up on the show. Juno Diaz brought up Daredevil and Turk, which we saw actually. <laughs> oh, in the Daredevil Lord. Oh, Why are you beating on me? Yeah. <laughs> And and, and and we've had someone wrote in or called in and, and, and when we've talked about like on Arrow, they just literally with no due process or an Arrow and Flash on Arrow, they just put dudes on this island and in Flash, they, they just lock, put them in dude, the they lock them in the basement, literally in a room that would drive anyone insane if they were in there for like oh, yeah. 48 hours. Yeah. So there's definitely a fascistic side of superhero comics that's definitely, you know, people, weak people feeling strong by seeing strong people beating on other weak people like there's a there's a, a but, side of that, but, that 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 and i feel like it gets it gets explored in things like the dark knight and certain but it's there it's always there and there's also a racial element to it too okay well let's talk about like batman for a sec like one of the reasons why i can no longer connect with the batman mythos is because joker is just like the iceberg slim of like the DC universe. <laughs> like he can kill a million right, people. Right. And even though in our world, the world court would put someone like Saddam Hussein to death, cause they would be like, you gave up your humanity card, you die. Right. The Joker, the dude just keeps going back to Arkham Asylum. And that's and breaking why, out. And that's why when yeah. every writer writes their ultimate Joker story, it's anticlimactic. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? You wanna prove something to me? someone like put the noose around his neck and deal with that dude and create a new joker never you, you see that's what i'm saying so to happen. me it's like Reading i hear, I hear comics, what you're saying about with the superheroes but it's like the villains get away with murder literally right, and figuratively right. on a regular basis no and it's true like even the dudes they put on those island on the island on arrow half of them have already escaped and that what they've only had three seasons well oh. first of all and, i mean like deathstroke is too good looking right. to not escape right, right? right. Like, you know what i mean like if i were to die and be reincarnated i right. would have no problem coming back looking like manu bennett yep. you know what i'm saying no complaint whatsoever crixus on spartacus oh, oh yeah, yeah. Spartacus yeah. Fans. Yep. we're claiming like Incarnations now. Right. <laughs> can I be Billy D. Williams right. while we're at it? You can, if you choose. You can be Billy D. Williams. Let's go for it. All right, that was a great question, though. Very good point. But like I say, if you, you know, it's one of those things when you apply real world thought to some of this, it falls apart. And like I always say, that's why you know when I encourage people to read comics like Planetary or one of my all time favorites, Invincible, yeah. because that mess doesn't happen in an Invincible book. You know, you have a arch enemy and he gets dealt with one way or the other like yeah i'm not used to enemies getting dealt with oh no they, no there's been several great villains in invincible who i thought would be there for the whole run of the series and no because eventually invincible's like yo it's you know this ain't working and <laughs> <laughs> that's real though that's real <laughs> i like that and his name is invincible and their name isn't so it, it doesn't always end well wow truth in advertising <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, thank y'all for the questions. If you ever have a question for the Fan Bros Show, hit us up on Twitter, on Instagram at Fan Bros Show. You can email us if you got a more lengthy question. And thank you, Red Shirt Ronnie, because I love those type of, you know, that just you just made my week, bro, my month even, all that good stuff. Email us at contact at fanbros.com. We're going to take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros. This is Dylan Stevenson, a member of the Decepticomics. And when I'm not self-depreciating myself horribly, I'm listening to the Fan Bros. 
And welcome back, Internets. Hope you've been enjoying this show. I know you've been enjoying this show because it's Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek. Hottest thing out right now, even hotter than New York summer. Ouch! Hotter yes. than Tatooine. Hotter than Tatooine. Ooh. This is your boy, Lucius Lionel, and it is time <laughs> for our favorite segment on this show. This week in the N-Word. That's right. And there's, as usual, a lot of people applying for a position on this week in the N-Word. Why does everyone want to live in N-Word City? I don't understand. I don't know. It must be the hot new location like Williamsburg or something. Oh. Yeah, because Joey Badass definitely decided to move into N-Word City this week. (laughs) We all know and love Joey Badass on Fan Bros Show. He's a rapper who puts out really good music. I can't lie. I like Joey Badass a lot. You know, I like what he represents. I actually don't listen to his music. Okay. I, I know him by name. Yeah, you should definitely check him out. He's dope. He's a New York City rapper. He okay. um Is he, he part of the ASAP crew? Nah, nah. He's part of a different crew. He has his own crew actually. And he what really first got me onto him was he like had like DJ Premier produced for him. He had Pete Rock, he had Finesse, like okay. all the classic nineties producers he was using at first. But doing raps that don't sound like nineties raps. Like Joey can rap his ass off. Let's gotcha. you know. Don't get it twisted. The boy can rhyme. So it sounds like he's pretty on a level. So what did he do to earn a spot here? Well, this week, Joey Badass came out and defended Bill Cosby. Fan Bro's favorite person himself. That's a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible that that he can still have defenders. I mean, I saw when Jill Scott went on Twitter and had to do her whole mea culpa. Oh, she had to bat. I mean, take a long walk. She definitely had to take a long walk. That's exactly like the judges and Judge Dredd, the long walk. Maybe we could just be silent. I mean, yeah, that might. Oh, yeah, that that, that definitely was Jill Scott. But like three weeks later to be. Yeah, be so late but yeah joey came out on twitter and you know said that the media turns people against people that you know we can't believe everything we see in the media of course joey was immediately destroyed on twitter you know the slander was ridiculous so he came back and even today made released a video where he elaborated on his he points. doubled down on his oh point? he doubled down he, he doubled down like it's okay. a motherfucking you know kentucky fried chicken whoever yeah. made that sandwich because yeah he went in <laughs> Gosh. Um, Joey Badass said, you know, once again, that the media is crucifying people. He alluded to the fact that because Bill Cosby is one of the most honorable, positive black men in history, that, you know, maybe people are bringing him down for another reason. Because, as he said, you know, right before all this went down, Bill was doing a lot of really positive things. I thought we were off the conspiracy theory of him of everyone trying to pull him down for one reason or another. I thought we were off that. I thought we've we've come to the point where we've 86 that because that doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. Uh, well, Joey Badass is not operating on logical sense on this one. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, he also said, and I kind of agree with him this one, but... Sorry, Joey, this is the world we live in. He's like, we shouldn't be making jokes about it, you know? I agree that well, I don't think any of the Bill Cosby rape jokes or anything like that is funny. Okay. Well, uh, we, we definitely agree with Joey Badass on that point. But as far as, you know, the conspiracy to take down Bill Cosby, I can't really agree, Joey, because for one, now, 40 women, whatever, you know, I'm not going to get into that. 50 now. Jesus, yeah. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. You know, that's just horrific. And it's like, 
I, I can't really feel that, you know, Bill was the positive, honorable man before this all I, happened. I, and I, that's what I'm saying. For the stuff that he said, like, when he was going doing the college tours and he, the stuff that he said about the black people in America and black culture and... I mean, not to say that this man didn't do stuff to help and, and, and be a part of culture, but he's also said very negative things as well. So yes. I don't know where he's getting that from. You know, part I really think part of it is that the public cannot yet quite embrace the fact that if we fully accept who this man is now, we've basically got to go back in time 40 years and wipe away everything that he did because everything that he did has been stained. And that's like right. the bigger impact of this. And I think that's the thing that people are afraid to really engage. But the fact of the matter is we're not going to uplift ourselves by protecting our monsters. But Ooh, th- ooh, bars. That was fire, Joe. Bars. Hey man, got to tell it like it is. So do, do, we really, do we have to wipe away that, everything that he did? Exactly, exactly. Like, I don't think we, uh, granted, yes, it's all tainted now. The, yep. All of it's tainted. I agree with you. But at the same time, do we, just because that's the case, do we have to wipe away all the good that he actually did do? Does it, does that, does what he did now, negate what the Cosby show did for a generation does that does his what he did now negate the fact that he's donated millions of dollars to to um like to every Temple University yeah. right Temple, no, you, like absolutely it doesn't right. erase at the same time yes it does taint yep that's the thing so also I mean, we have to fully embrace it and then just be honest about it and like you said say even though he has done horrific things his actions have accomplished good. And that's what we have to concentrate on. We have to concentrate on that and we have to concentrate on being honest about him, but cannot give the dude a pass. I mean, there's no. The story's all aligned. He cannot get a pass. You know what I'm saying? No, and I'm definitely not defending him in any way. I'm just saying, like, the wiping away thing. Like, I feel like a child born today who grows up and, and, you know, 10 to 15 years from now is watching repeats of The Cosby Show. Not anymore. They took it off. But that's, but it'll be bad. I mean, it, 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 it's like, you know, what he did has nothing to do with. The show. Well, I don't know because it becomes he was such a moralizing character. So the the hypocrisy throughout all of it. I mean, I I, I guess you're right, but the idea of sort of wiping away the stuff that he did that was good because of the stuff that he did that was bad. It just seems like a little bit of throwing the baby out with the bathwater type of thing. That's fair. That's fair. As opposed to, I'm not defending his actions in any way. I'm just, you know. I think the, the the positive feelings and the positive things that have occurred over the few decades that where he has contributed, I don't think you can ever take that away. At the same token, as you said, Joe, you can't defend this man anymore. You can't. I don't know why you're protecting him so. And, and like people are protecting the, him with his life, going on Twitter, putting out videos and stuff. I mean, Twitter will. And uh, granted, it's just a social media platform, but Twitter is pretty much the world. So you're telling the world. I, I, you know, you got to give him a pass. No, nah, absolutely nah. not. I, I don't give uh, no no passes for Bill. Sorry, not at this point. Moving on, we got you know, like we said, the city is packed tonight. It's popping, <laughs> and it's packed with black people, which is. <laughs> I mean, you know, unfortunately, this week in the N word does um, lend itself to that. Okay, so earlier or last week, um, Netroots Nation um, just concluded. But Netroots Nation is basically like a political conference. Um, the media will say it's a, a liberal-leaning political conference. Point is, it's political. And you had some of the Democratic candidates um, on there actually speaking to the public and speaking to attendees. And one of the candidates, uh, Governor O'Malley, he, uh, he used to be actually mayor of Baltimore at one point. O'Malley. O'Malley. 
um, he someone asked the question about Black Lives Matter and, and what his view was on that. And Martin O'Malley said, quote unquote, Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. Now, that, <laughs> <laughs> that is problematic as shit because... Once again, I feel like every freaking day I I or other people have to educate people on what it means when people say hashtag Black Lives Matter. One, we're not putting one race above another. Two, you're drawing attention to the systematic racism and over oppression that black people face in this country and trying to show the fact that police brutality against black people for based on race is real. And this is not something to set aside. And this is not something to say, oh, well, white people don't suffer and brown people don't suffer. That's not what that is about. And like a lot of things that black people do, like black power, like like when when you have the Black Panthers and the Black Fist and all that stuff, we do that from a place to uplift. It's never from a place of hate. Whereas things, uh, constructs such as white power and Aryan Nation things, those come from a place of hate. And that's a very, a very to me, a very solid distinction between that. So... Martin O'Malley says this, and Stephen A. Smith, who a lot of people know from what ESPN, being a blowhard, being a blowhard, all stuff. Yeah, screaming A. Smith. Yeah, <laughs> screaming A. Smith goes on Twitter and says, "Where, what, where is all the noise about Black Lives Matter when Black folks are killing Black folks?" This man. Oh uh, no! This man, no, Stephen. This man, you no, Stephen. This man, it's not that over. It's not over. Stomach, Stephen. It's not over. First of all, he first strike one, two, and three. He used the black and black crime card. Wow. Then Stephen A. Smith tweets, "There's nothing wrong when a presidential candidate says all lives matter." Stephen A. Smith, you should have had one of those beef jerkies before you freaking you know that you're hawking all day before you said that mess. Um, oh, one more thing he tweeted. All right, then I'm I got something to say. Stephen A. Smith says, "I'm a black man. Of course I know hashtag Black Lives Matter, but you can't boo a presidential candidate just because he says all lives matter." I can boo a presidential candidate forever. To f- what the I fuck boo I want? The president candidate for the most pettiest shit. Yeah, ever. because that's called freedom of speech, and Come you on, definitely man. had freedom of speech yourself, Stephen A. Smith, when you said that. But you didn't have freedom of thought because it's like you're not really. It's just ridiculous. Like, like Tatiana already, I mean, I don't really need to go much into this because it's like you already said, it's systematic oppression and racism that we're facing here. I even hate the fucking word problematic because I think that is such a weak word when, you know, things like things aren't problematic. That's racist is what it is. It's helping the system of racism. No matter, I of course, all lives matter. Humanity matters. But in America, black lives are threatened by cops in ways that white lives are not. So let's not sit here and try and compare the two and be like, oh, no, all lives matter. No, that's not what is happening in this country. And when you support things like that, you're not being problematic. You're just helping racism. Exactly. It's implied in the same way that if you go to a breast cancer event, obviously everyone at the breast cancer event also thinks that prostate cancer is bad. Yes. However, they're at a breast cancer event and they're talking about breast cancer. And so that's, of course, it's implied, you know, the the all lives, that it's not suggesting that black lives matter more than other, you know, there also was a whole thing, uh, Bernie Sanders also oh, yeah. sort of, you know, at the same event, I think his he, he had an even worse response yeah. than Martin O'Malley, which then led to um, Rodimus Prime, the oh, black guy who tips, yeah, actually creating the, the Bernie So Black <laughs> hashtag. Yeah, which is hilarious. Um, yes. that, that created a whole thing. Um, 
One of the things I just want that I hadn't seen anyone say on Twitter, there's a lot of Bernie defenders jumping on there being like he marched with Martin Luther King and all that. He he was one of, if not the only politicians who actually supported Jesse Jackson's 1984. <laughs> he actually uh, did support Jesse Jackson in 84 when Jesse Jackson did not get right. the Democratic primary. I just wanted to throw that out there. But that's the only thing that, 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 nobody, go, has, uh, that nobody has said in, in, in Bernie's defense. And that's fine. But And, and just to wrap that point up, just because... Because Bernie marched with Martin some odd years ago doesn't negate what he's saying now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, <laughs> like, I, I just wanted to throw that. All right, that, that's that great. That's cool thing. that in the past you you know you was yeah, awesome of superhero, but you ain't you not about it right, right. now. So and, and we're talking about right now. So I love when his apologists love to bring that up. Like, okay, that absolves you of everything, of all responsibility. So whatever. Yeah, nah, nah. No love for Bernie. No love for Stephen A. Smith. Whenever I hear O'Malley, I just think of Cypress Hill and police officers. So that doesn't, you know, no love for you either, sir. Well, good. Wow, so you never eat a pig because a pig is a cop? You know it. Jesus. Officer O'Malley. <laughs> well, good thing. Uh, a lot of people actually on Twitter felt what how we feel. Talib Kweli himself said, no, man. No, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. So he went on this long nice. diatribe. Uh, Killer Mike came up. He oh. said, I would love to provide an answer face to face. Yes. Wow. Ooh. Face. Stephen A ain't face. ready for that. He ain't ready for that debate. Chris wow. Herring says, Nothing annoys me more than someone with a big platform giving the most cliche answer to a complicated issue. Thank you. Bomani Jones, to wrap it up, says, Please direct your issues with Stephen A. Smith to him or, you know, anyone but me. <laughs> Shout out to Houston Bomani Jones. What up, bruh? All right. So I think we're going to take a quick break right here and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros Show. This is DJ Maceo, a.k.a. Dr. Spock. You know what it is. It's your boy, Young Guru, a.k.a. The Beast, a.k.a. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Not a Brahma. Hey, yo, yo, yo. This is Foul Munch. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Gene Gray. What's up? This is Spike Lee from the Republic of Brooklyn, New York. This is Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. When I'm not sitting at my desk ruling the comic book universe, I'm listening to Fan Bros. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bella in West Philadelphia. And welcome back, Internet. This is your boy DJ Ben Hameen reintroducing himself as always. And you know what time it is. It's time for my second favorite segment of the week. Tech Talk with Tatiana. And in this week's tech news segment, I have um, some interesting news about a hack that occurred this week. Real life Mr. Robot-ish right here. Real life, man. So apparently there's this real shady ass website called Ashley Madison where people who are married can set up affairs so it's a dating website but for people who want to have affairs why has it got to be a shady ass website that's shady as hell the you're servicing married. a need do you have to be married she <laughs> 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 goes like where can i sign why up why can i sign nice. up the idea the idea is that it's for people who are in relationships who basically want to cheat but want to cheat in a classy way which is oxymoronic but hey whatever so anyway so this 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 to me shady website got hacked and it's a big deal because the hackers claim they've stolen 33 million records that belong to people in 46 countries around the globe. And what is the lesson here, folks? Don't cheat on the internet. 
<laughs> I mean, right, right. Like, don't cheat on the public platform yeah, that like, gets right. hacked by the Chinese and the Russians and the one that Edward it's, Snowden warned us about. Yeah, right? it's, it's crazy. Like, so, like I said, the, the, the hackers claim they have the full total database of the site, which is 33 million people, and they've already leased 2,500 customer records. And when I say customer records, I mean they have. Everything they have your name, your address, your payment information. They have who you have been talking to on the service, who you might have set up stuff with through New the service. Pictures, pics. They have it all. Private they got, messages. They got it all. They got everything. And basically, the hackers had really one major um, demand, and it was shut down the site. Yeah. No, I loved it how they were like, yo, you know, f these dudes on this because they're yeah. cheating bastards. Yeah. And then I also loved how they they also said that. They were mad because Ashley Madison offers a service for $19 where you can delete all your records permanently from the site. Right. Mm. But but these hackers are like, nah, they're not deleting nothing. And here's the evidence of it. They're They're keeping all your information. So they're like, they made like 1.7 million, they said last year, Mm -hmm. just in those $19 fund fees. So they're like, yo, not only are you guys, uh, you know, a bunch of cheating bastards. You're also getting jerked for being a bunch of cheating and bastards. lying about it and lying about not retaining private information, which you clearly are. And not only that, they want Ashley Madison to get shut down, and also a sister site that uh, that hooks up like sugar daddies with women. <laughs> Was that SeekingArrangements.com? I don't. Chico is visiting this site. <laughs> right? Before. Do you know, or do you have? Personal knowledge of the I, site? I, I have met a couple of people who have been on both sides of the seeking arrangements.com. When, when ah. you're you know, such a wealthy entrepreneur like Chico Leo, that's right. you have to visit <laughs> these right. sites occasionally. I, I met these people at the tables at Monte Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> the idle rich are hard the to tables. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Oh man, yeah. So, but wait, was it really? Because I, actually, <laughs> I, mean, like, I have actually met people. I don't know. I don't remember the name of it, Chico. All I know is that these hackers they want this shit shut down. Yeah, wow. And and you know, right now, Ashley Madison, that, that group that controls that site, says that everything's secure right now. <laughs> yeah. But the hackers <laughs> have the information, and they're just throwing that stuff up on Pastebin and all sorts of places. So, yeah, is this some yeah. kind of on anonymous tip? A bunch of people wearing. V for Vendetta masks. This is Mr. Robot live in person right here. Anonymous hasn't claimed. No, this is Team Impact. Is the yeah is the the hacker crew that did this. I love that name. Team Impact. Anonymous hasn't claimed. No, Anonymous is apparently going after ISIS. Yeah, going after ISIS on Twitter or something like that. Well, depending, and that's another thing people don't understand about Anonymous is as they as the tagline goes, there is no one leader. We are legion. It's like a hydra. Once you cut off the head, three more spring up. So there are several anonymous is not one just one group. It's a cluster of different people who are about different things and each group is doing something different. So yes, you have a group that's going after ISIS. Then there's a whole group that is going after Iggy Azalea. Going Iggy Azalea. That was was the funniest thing I ever saw. That wasn't where I was going, but yes. Yes, that was going so after amazing. Her. And there's a there's a subset that that's all about social justice. So there's ones that are all about Black Lives Movement. And so the whole news with Sandra Bland and all this and everything, they're all about that. So any given day, there's a million things Anonymous is doing, but that's not what who who's in charge of who's responsible for this hack. No, but shout out to Team Impact. Y'all are doing God's work over there. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chico, I know you had an interesting uh, tech news. Right. So um, my grandmother just turned 90 and she uh, has dry macular degeneration, which uh, basically means she has to get a shot into her eyeball once a month, every month. Jesus. 
So dry macular degeneration happens to a lot of people who are a- who age, and apparently this week, uh, a man with dry macular generation degeneration in Manchester, England, got an actual bionic eye. The first <gasps> wow. absolute like uh, you know robotic bionic eyeball that you know transmits you know images to his brain. Basically, the prototype of what Geordie LaForge will have in the 23rd, wow. 25th century. I was totally thinking that your grandma is now Steve Austin, the $6 million. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, like, yes. I want to see your grandma yes. in, like, the red and white, like, tracksuit with, like, the sneakers. You know, you know it's funny because she does actually roll around in tracksuits oh, quite a bit now. So, <laughs> actually. She got yeah, half of it down yeah, already. Exactly. $6 billion dollar grandma. But she goes towards that. I have a question. So, is the image more like a Geordie LaForge? Force like 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 it's like how do because you know your eyes do a dual image and then they right. and then your brain is what merges the two images together how does that work with that, that? I sh- don't know and that's what's so interesting because he has one real eye and one and one uh, robotic, robotic eye. eye I don't know if the uh, maybe the other eye like the other one sees maybe, like if he closes one eye maybe does the other that, one see like in Terminator vision like maybe that saying. other eye only sees at like five percent I don't know that's actually a very good question ah. uh, because yeah I mean and it, it does, a, does seem it look like, like a real eye like a glass eye? oh no I mean like it looks like something out of like a sci-fi movie I oh. mean it's it's definitely like it's 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 like a monocle on his face. Yeah, yeah. I see this as kind of like the kind of like progenitor to some kind of heads up display bionic eye, like Google glasses, right. mm. where you'll look around and it will give you information on certain things. And I'm not even joking because oh, no, we have coming. no sense of morality or division of barriers when it comes to science. Oh, yeah. oh, definitely oh. not. <laughs> we will take it there. I, I just want to know, does like, his eye give him a list of canned responses? Like, in terms oh, of- absolutely. And, and, <laughs> thank you, asshole. Thank you. And, <laughs> and the funniest part about that, even as a child, I used to laugh because- the Terminator gets a list of responses when the guy knocks on his door and asks what the smell is, and there's fuck you, and then there's fuck you asshole. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he chooses fuck you asshole. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, the future is now. You know what I mean? Like, no people are walking it. around with bionic eyes, and robots are, you know, coming. And, and aliens are coming, too, because this is my last piece of tech news. Uh, well, I Whoa. hope you got something after yeah. that. Listen, <laughs> Stephen Hawking announced that he's putting a hundred million dollars into a fund to hunt for alien Stephen life. Hawking has a hundred million dollars? Boy. He probably got residuals from the movie. Ooh, he got, man. Okay, Stephen Hawking got mass residuals, but not just that. He also, he's in the scientific community and people will give him money. He True. says, I can create time travel. People just gonna throw money at homeboy. I believe it. So anyway, yeah, so he he's doing this hundred million dollar fund for a hunt for alien life to actually go out there and find something. I don't, I don't know all the details about this. I think it's a mistake. Yes. If you have not seen, as I said on Twitter, if you, maybe you haven't seen Independence Day. Maybe, maybe you haven't seen Humanity maybe at work. Seen, Maybe you haven't played the Katina level off of Star Trek 64. There's a reason why you don't hunt for aliens. Let's not worry about the aliens. Let's worry about humanity not being able to handle its own self on this planet. Like, why are we going out looking for something else when we can't even deal with each other on the planet we live on? The endeavor is called Breakthrough Listen. And they're going to have like just a team of astronomers just going hard all day, all night looking for alien life. Stephen Hawking, you need to give that hundred million to uh, what's my man from Cosmos? Yeah, Neil exactly. Degrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. DeGrasse Tyson. Yeah. And let him figure out what to do with that. I right. think he did come up with Because there better. actually was just an announcement by one of these climatologist guys that apparently what they thought was coming in 100 years is going to be here in less than 50, 50. years. Yeah. And they're talking about like New York, LA, London, like basically all these coastal cities 
totally being uninhabitable in 50 years, which if that's true, there's literally half the people listening to this will be alive in 50 years, and I hope you can swim. Well, wait a minute. Didn't a few months ago, didn't Mayor de Blasio talk about an initiative to start addressing that, to basically prepare New York in terms of its infrastructure and so forth for that, what you were talking about they, 100 years off. Yeah, and of there is talk. Change. And yes, absolutely. When he was talking, he was he thought what they were talking about was ocean level rise 100 years from now. And now this climate guy is studying all the, you know, the melting of the, you know, um, ice caps, ice off, caps of, right. off of Antarctica and off of the poles combined with the methane and CO2 release that it's actually what they th- previously had thought was 100 yeah, years yeah, away yeah. is now 50 years away anyway. So Yeah, um, just, to, just to, to give further clarity and to answer your question, Ben, I mean, uh, Stephen Hawking is not actually paying for this. Um, an investor know, uh, by the name of Yuri Milner, who's known for investing in companies like Facebook and Alibaba, he's actually bankrolling the entire thing. So they set $100 million out of his own damn pocket. Uh, well, that's nice for you, but like I say, they should give it to Neil and see what he does with it. I mean, talk to me when they're actually sending bounty hunters out into space to look for aliens. <laughs> I mean, astronomers <laughs> sitting behind uh, behind some telescopes. I mean, you know, sending out some pings. Well, so basically, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Right. Yeah. Well, and find Boba Fett. This is, <laughs> this is a mistake. Well, speaking of Boba Fett, you know, uh, Benicio del Toro was offered a role in the next Star Wars movie. Nice. As a villain, right? Because he plays villain. villains. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's it's interesting because I had heard he originally was offered Khan and wanted to do it and couldn't in the second Damn, Star that would have been great. Wow. It really would have been great. Also would have kept, like, the, the Latin. You yeah. Know, you know, but... um. And so it's interesting. He was offered a Star Trek role that he couldn't take, and now he's taking the Star Star Wars. Well, role. Well, you know what I would say to that. Yeah, I know what you would say to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Benicio del Toro will be in. Well, he's offered a role in the next Star Wars as a villain. So we'll see what happens with that. I hope you, he does. You know who's already signed on for the next for the well, not Star Wars, but Star Trek. No. Idris Elba. That's right. What? When did he say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This week, or actually, it was yeah, it was a few days. Wow. Idris. Um, there was a video for the Star Trek that was actually for some charity that they're doing. And at the end of the video, Idris Elbow just popped up. <laughs> and Chris Pine, I believe, yeah, Chris Pine was just like, oh, thanks for joining us, uh, Idris. You know, and basically, and, and Idris confirmed it on his Twitter account that, yes, he's going to be in the next Star Trek film. They don't say villain or hero yet? I don't know. So... It would be it would be very interesting if they make him a villain. But everyone's banking on him being a villain. I'd love it. I think it would be incredible if he was like a Klingon. No, like, no, 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 no. No, I'm so tired of black I men know playing you don't want people. I know you don't want people in. <laughs> it's always a I black thought, man playing the Klingon. Only because I thought it would be a cool old Michael Dorn. I understand, though, we don't always need black people to be in every full makeup and all that stuff. You see what they did to Lupita. Um so I, I just I just think I'm happy that he's in Star Trek, just period. It's either a black man or um, the professor from Back to the Future playing a Klingon. Well, that's right, not right. quite true. <laughs> that's <laughs> not quite Lloyd true. Definitely... You, if you watch, like, Next Generation and things like that, most of those actors are white. I know. I'm just, you know me. Um, so, <laughs> but no, I'd like to see Idris Elba, I mean, in Star Trek in any way, shape, or form. That's definitely very dope. I'm hyped for that. Uh, also, people have been hitting us a lot on Twitter and everything, asking us to do more anime reviews, yes. talk about animation. So we don't really have a segment for this yet, but uh, Justice League Gods and Monsters is coming out in a couple of weeks. Yes. I got to see a review copy of it. It's quite excellent. It's lit. Yeah, it is lit. This is a uh, Bruce Tim returning to the DC animation universe. It's a really ill story. I, I don't want to give too much away. 
But, I mean, the premise is online already, yeah. so it already lets you know that the premise is that it's a, it takes place on an alternate universe world, and there's a different formation of the Justice League. In this world, um, Kal-El comes from Krypton as usual, but he's actually the son of Zod. Oh. Um, Batman isn't Bruce Wayne. He's another character who gets infected by a vampire and becomes a vampire and becomes Batman through that method. And Wonder Woman is the daughter of High Father from the, the New Gods. From New Gods from Genesis. And she gets sent to Earth in a crazy way. I don't want to give away that part of the story at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's definitely a very interesting movie. We're going to have a review on fanbros.com. Everyone check it out. You know, it's Bruce Tim coming back to animation, to DC animation. The pretty much god of DC animation. I love back. animation, so that's perfect. And and to, to uh, piggyback on that, for anyone who's interested in anime, whether it's reviews or just uh, suggestions or even just someone just talking about it all the time, we have our very own anime czar that's on fanbros.com. Her name is Deadly Diva. Yes. You can follow her on Twitter as well. But she is killing it with the anime game. So definitely follow her. Go on the website. And as DJ Ben Amin said, there will be more to come. Most definitely. And I'm not the biggest anime head, so hit up Deadly Diva. But I definitely love Justice League, Gods of Mon- Monsters. There's some uh, preview clips on YouTube that aren't associated. They're not on the movie. They're like okay. completely independent of the movie. So you can go watch those right now. Like kind of preview clips kind of? They're, they're like, there's one with Harley Quinn and she's not even in the movie at all. So oh. it's like they're like prequels to the main storyline and oh, stuff like that. So you can go watch those. And it won't ruin the movie when you see it. Are they going to continue that universe after that movie? Like, did they did they sort of end it, or is it, it like they could do more stuff with that? Without thing? giving it away, it could definitely there right. could definitely be more in this universe. I don't. I think it's pretty much a good complete story though. At the same time, right. so if okay. they wanted to, they could go on. But if not, it's you know greatly and well done all in itself. So yeah, that's definitely dope. Check it out, Justice League: Gods and Monsters. And now. It's time for my favorite segment of the week, Comics I Copped. We got Joe Illich in the house tonight, you know, comic book extraordinaire. So we're going to get some thoughts on a bunch of things. But, you know, as always, I got to shout out what I've been reading lately. Joe, you know, I want to know what you've been reading as well. All right. This week I got to pick up, uh, I finally picked it up. I'm kind of a couple weeks late. We Stand on Guard by oh, Brian yeah. K. Vaughn. And Steve Scrosi. Thank yeah. you for pronouncing his name because I would have butchered <laughs> that. As we all know, Brian K. Vaughn is the author of Why the Last Man and Saga, two of the greatest books of all time. This is a new book. It is bugged as hell. It starts, the first issue starts off in uh, 2012, I think. And there's an incident where a drone attacks the White House. And, you know, this family is sitting there wondering, they're watching on TV from Canada, and they're like, who did this? Is it this person? Is that person? And then they're like wondering, well, maybe if it was us, you know, what if Canada attacked the U.S.? And they're like, nah, you know. Yeah, like, who, why? Next page, massive attack on Canada from the U.S. Canada, you know, whoop, jump ahead 20 years or so. A girl who survives it, it, Canada and U.S. have now been at war for 20 years. Who won? No, they're at war as oh. as the book goes on, oh. and w- the twist is, you know, it's fu- it's a futuristic book, but the twist is that the U.S. has invaded Canada with giant robots. That's dope. Yeah, so it is a book. Stephen 
Scrocy, Scrocy, I think, I think it, it, the art is insane. Brian K. Vaughn, like I always say, you know, is one of my favorite like authors him. of all I like time. I think this is going to be a long, ongoing series like his other books. No, I think it's five issue miniseries. Really? Yeah, I think so. Wow, that's amazing because he never, I mean, you know, why was a limited like 60 issues, but it, right. I'm so used to him writing these epics, you know? Well, I mean, he's got Saga, he's got that, and then he's doing another book which may or may not be an ongoing series with cliff chang okay who handled the wonder woman joint exactly Oof. the new 52 wonder woman relaunch so which i also wanted that was a great one because i wanted to bid that up this week because i've i finally got the i read all five of the trades that are out so far mm-hmm. wonder woman that's brian azarello again yep and uh cliff chang one of the best interpretations of wonder woman i've ever read ever seen ever done it's amazing check it out when you get a chance, there's five trades. The sixth trade comes out, I think, in September, and that'll be the end of it. So it's a complete little run and a great story. But, Joe, what have you been reading? And I know you got some other stuff to talk about San Diego Con. Wow. Some yeah. milestone information. I want to hear this. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, in terms of what I'm reading, there's a great image series by Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey, who really killed it on Moon Knight. And it's called Injection. Mm. And it's like some real hardcore science fiction. And basically it's about a group of people who were brought together to introduce arcane technological ideas into the universe. Just like let their brains go free and manifest these things. But the problem is when you throw something out into the universe, it vomits it back. Mm. And so now whatever they set out there they have to clean it up. So Injection deals with them getting assembled to do that. And one thing I really love about it is I love how Warren Ellis just does diverse characters. It's not a big campaign. It's like you read the second issue of Injection and he introduces two black male characters who are totally different and they are cool characters. And it's not about them being black. In the third issue... I think he introduces a black female character, and I like the way his fiction just automatically incorporates diversity because he has a sensibility to understand that we do not live in an ethnically monolithic (laughs) world. So his fiction reflects that, and Declan Shalvey, his artwork is just really detailed. His storytelling is amazing. And so that is one of my favorite image comics right now. I'm also reading a graphic novel by Scott McCloud called The Sculptor, which is like 400 pages, and it's basically a story about a sculptor who is confronted with the ultimate opportunity, but it also leads to a great sacrifice. And it basically discusses what will people do for their art, and it's really honest about the fact that art is part because we want to make an impact. We don't want to leave the world and leave nothing behind. We want to be remembered. I mean, human beings are egotistical characters, and there's a part of us that wants to be remembered. So this graphic novel deals with that. So that's pretty cool. I mean, straight up on the superhero tip, you know, I have to admit, I'm really digging Secret Wars. Hell yes. And I'm not talking about any of the spinoffs because no. I do not have the finance to keep up with all the spinoffs. <laughs> some are good, like some aren't. The Straight Line Story by Jonathan Hickman, killer. I mean, I, I told, you know, we've talked on Twitter. I've talked on the show about it. His Avengers run is one of, hands down, top five, I'm going to put it in right now, all-time Avengers runs. And 
his work on Secret Wars is continuing it, so definitely check it out. But yeah. I got to know, Joe, All right. what happened at San Diego Comic-Con and Milestone Comics. Wow. We, we have a hashtag out right now, if you're following us on Twitter, called Support Better Content, where we talk about you know just supporting better content instead of just the usual nonsense. Shouts and to Ty the Robot. Shout-outs to Ty the Robot, the hashtag king, who... You know, came up with support better content, and you know, I immediately thought a milestone. And I know they made some big announcements at San Diego Comic Con, and I know you were front row. Yeah, so. you know, I had to be there because that's the first company that I worked at, and nice. they gave me a shot, so I had to be there. So basically, you know, you had Reggie Hudlin, Derek T. Dingle, and Dennis Cowan, and they were up on the panel. And basically, what they revealed is the milestone line is going to be coming out through DC Comics, and it's going to take place on one of the parallel Earths. Earth-M is what it's going to be called. So basically, the Milestone universe will be separate and unencumbered by whatever events are happening on the main DC universe. So they're going to do a limited number of graphic novels and then get into miniseries or ongoing series. And they announced two people that they have tapped to be part of their initial talent wave. Um, David Walker, who wrote Shaft and is writing the Cyborg miniseries, no, Cyborg ongoing series for DC Comics, and Ken Lashley, who has really been killing it on Secret Six for DC Comics and Mm. is known for all the amazing Star Wars licensing work that he's done. So those two people are going to be part of the first wave. They actually managed to get back the fifth founder of Milestone, Christopher Priest. Wow. And yeah, wow. so Priest yeah, is coming that. back to comics. Wow. And he and Reggie have been having a lot of talk, so what's going to come from that is really going to be interesting. And then what was a cool surprise is halfway through the panel, um, DC Entertainment Chief Creative Officer Jeff Johns rolled up and took the fourth seat. Mm. And he really talked about his love of the Milestone characters, he's loved Static since the beginning. I mean, it's no big secret that DC has been loving Static for a minute, and why wouldn't they? Yep. Static is fresh like that. Mm-hmm. And how he really admires the passion of Reggie and Derek and Dennis to want to bring this back to life. So Jeff Johns is also going to be writing a Milestone project. Jim Lee, um, co-publisher of DC Comics, is going to be illustrating a milestone project. Wow, wow. Yeah, so yeah. basically what you have here in this second generation of the Milestone DC relationship is you have a creative advocate who is going to involve himself into the introduction of this line. And I think what that's going to do is it's going to open it up to a bigger audience and it's going to dispel the myth that really was damaging to Milestone version one which is that milestone was black comics yeah mm. which it, was never true there it's an absolute fabrication you can look at their staff you can look at their comic books it was always multicultural but they were always pigeonholed so that is happening and so it was really positive and everyone is excited everyone is excited they actually showed pages from the graphic novel um, that's going to be coming out. And so 
It's going to be a lot of stuff going forward, but they're going to do the announcements in stages. Nice. So, you know, you know what that means. We definitely will probably be seeing some TV series, some films coming from them, which is well needed because, you know, there's been even a lot of talk lately this week over the strange fruit controversy that we talked about last week Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to give much more light to right now. But, you know, people have been comparing it to Icon. Right. Right. You know, and to me. Like I said today on Twitter and Facebook, you can't really compare them because Strange Fruit number one leaves you with a weird feeling while Icon number one left me with a great feeling. So it's just, you know, it, it's it's the same thing, a black alien coming to Earth. And one was done exceptionally well and one questionable so far. Naked black aliens. Yeah. So thank you, Joe, for that update. We are all looking forward to more Milestone yeah, real quick, though, also in some hip-hop comic book news, because, you know, we are the voice of the urban geek, and we've talked about this before. Marvel is, in October, is going to be releasing a bunch of hip-hop tribute comic book covers. There was immediately a lot of controversy over that because people felt they were biting-ass ninjas for stealing uh, lawn boxes on 22s.com's idea. Uh, Julian... Is it Lito? I don't want to mispronounce his name. I think it's Lito. I think it's Lito. Yeah. You know, has been doing long boxes on 22s for years now, doing hip-hop and comic book mashups. And Marvel decided to do it for their line of October books. People liked them generally. They were dope, you know, but there was also some backlash against Marvel. Joe wrote about it in his new column this week because what was the backlash all about, Roy Joe? The fact that Marvel doesn't have any black writers on their staff? Yeah, I think it's tricky. Uh, it's, when you're yeah. dealing with black culture, I don't think you can do it halfway. So mm. there is an irony to this integration of black and Latino culture into the aesthetic of their books. But when you look on the other side in terms of their writer pool, that kind of culture is not present there. So even though the two things are unrelated, you can't ignore that irony. Now, I can tell you that when I wrote about it in my column, I think I got a bit greedy because I discussed that and I discussed the Ant-Man thing, and it was kind of like, you know, I wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich Mm -hmm. when I really should have just gone for a peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) And to tell you the truth, seriously... Since I wrote that column, I have spoken to two people at Marvel Comics. Um, I will not mention their names. It's confidential. But I will tell you that based on those discussions and understanding the potential impact of this initiative, positive or negative, I think I'm going to revisit this in the next column. I think I'm going to really drill down and investigate this and do a comprehensive piece on it because... Most of what I think has been said, while some of the points are valid, have been very incendiary and some of it really hyperbole. Yes. And what I really want to do is really try to look at it objectively. And look, I mean, you're talking to, look, I'm a child of 69. So when I was in the fourth grade, you know, that's when Rapper's Delight came out. And I can tell you that whenever I write, you know, when I was writing the second draft of the Ren graphic novel, I mean, look, when the Ren comes out, I have to, honestly, I have to say thank you, Questlove. Thank you, Most Def. Thank you, Talib Kweli, because these were the people whose music that I was listening to when I was writing that stuff. So I understand the significance of it, but there are different sides to this 
we don't have all the answers yet. And the fact that Axel Alonso, as editor-in-chief of Marvel, is well-known as an expert on hip-hop, the problem was when the first person who spoke about it was the antithesis of that. Mm. Yes. Right. The senior vice president of publishing for Marvel Comics is the antithesis of a hip-hop aficionado. So that was the unfortunate introduction, and I suspect that a larger narrative is going to happen soon, but I think I'm really going to drill down and do an exploration of this because there's more to it. Yeah, it no, cannot be as simple as this. Definitely. And even though Marvel might not have any black authors or writers right now, I know they definitely employ all kinds of people of color in various positions. I mean, Axel Alonso himself. Yeah. So I, I really didn't feel like I was more mad that they didn't go out and get Julian's work, you know, or right. at least enlist him to help something some way. How somehow. do you think Julian feels? Oh, I mean, that's why I'm shouting him out, because yeah. I thought that was the hottest mess of it. I didn't really care the fact. I mean, I care every day that there's no black writers, you know. Right. But at the same time, I did not think that was the issue right here. No, I totally understand. And one thing you have to think about is there are a number of illustrators of color who are involved with this initiative. And I mean real deal people. Like, you're talking about my man Damian Scott. Yes. Like, I worked with him back in the Batman days. Damian Scott grew up in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. He and I actually did a book together called How to Draw Hip Hop, mm -hmm. which is like this awesome art instruction book for all ages. So he's real deal. He's involved. You got the brother Sanford Green who's involved. You've got, like, you know, Obi-Wan Brian Stelfreeze involved. You've got... Kieran Grant involved. So if you have brothers like this from different backgrounds who are involved in this, there has to be something more. Most definitely. And so the answers are going to roll out. But again, you know, a number of problems. Number one is that it seems like Marvel's outreach did not really go as far as it should have. And it didn't encompass people like Julian, mm -hmm. who basically did this stuff before, and secondarily, that the first person who spoke on this is the last person that should have ever spoken on this. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. Yep. So check out Joe's column next week, because I'm sure he's going to have a lot more insight, a lot more news on this. Other quick news from the TV world. It seems that it's Xena, 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 Chico's. There's Zena. only one way. Yeah. Chico's favorite Zena. woman that he loves to explain why Wonder Woman never has an awesome movie. He well, loves no, it I just up. feel that Xena came along at a time that, uh, you know. 20 years ago. All right. Yeah. And, and, and no, but. Let it go. <laughs> I don't blame Xena. No, no, definitely I blame not. DC for not getting on the stick with Wonder Woman. That's well, what yeah. I'm talking about. And yep. they should just do Brian Azzarello as a movie, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, Lucy Lawless says this yes. is just a rumor, even though NBC... Well, the thing was reported on Hollywood Reporter, which is kind of like the dirt sheets for entertainment. So yeah. it, it seemed very likely, and they claimed that it would be picked up by NBC, and they were looking for writers and everything. And then today, a few hours ago, Lucy Lawless was like, yeah, bruh, that's kind of a rumor. Yeah, so sorry, Chico. No, you know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, not just me. That would be a big deal. I mean, there's a lot of people who stand for oh, Xena. No, yeah, definitely. I'm an admittedly a fan of Xena. Yeah. Sure. I like Xena, so I wouldn't mind... Um, a return of that. I would like to see Lucy Lawless play Xena now, like do Xena 20 years later, and how does an older woman right. like have to be hardcore 
to get the job done that she had to get done 20 years earlier yeah. when she could defy gravity before like the Bourne <laughs> films brought us back down to earth right. and negated right. the impact of the Matrix and Charlie's Angels and all that stuff. I mean, they claimed they claimed also like Sam Raimi and Tappert were going to come back and do this too. So Well, Tappert is her husband. Well, Tapert, so yeah, yeah, so that dude, that dude's got to be involved. Yeah. What about Gabrielle? You know, they yeah, they, re- they never did right by her. Right. Yeah. So to me it's like, you know what, like n- no disrespect to the actress who played her or any fans of her character, but she's not really essential in my opinion to this because she was never done right as a character to begin with. Right. You know, so I wouldn't want them to duplicate the same mistake. You know what I'm saying? Right. So wait, we, there might still be hope with this because the, from what I'm reading, Lucy Lawless started kind of sort of started the rumor herself that ah. this was kind of a development. Now she's, as they say, she's rebuking the rumor now. So I'm just like, mm. Mm, are you trying to like, you know, are you trying to backtrack a little? Are you trying to hide a little bit? Like, what are you doing? And Chico, you know what time it is. It's time to get ill. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, my pick this week, uh, just bringing it all full circle, the best thing I think I can say about it is the representation. Uh, there's a lot a lot of elements to it, but I, I actually, a lot of people saw a lot of things this weekend. I saw Tut. So Tut <laughs> is a Spike, Spike miniseries about King Tutankhamun. The uh, the very pivotal. He was a pharaoh, a very a young pharaoh at a pivotal point. They made they uh, Spike did a uh, like a they they bought a Canadian miniseries. The older actors are really good. It's got Ben Kingsley. It's got uh, the Doctor from um, Deep Space Nine, um, who also was Bashir. Oberon's Oberon's yeah, Doctor Bashir, Oberon's yeah. brother, Oberon Martell's brother from oh, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. It's got that dude who played the King of Karth in the second season of Game they of Thrones. Got actually, black people on there. Yeah, no. So that's the thing. Um, the representation, other than one dude, and we're talking about a six-hour miniseries, they had one dude in there who looked like Roy Scheider from uh, from Jaws. <laughs> but other than that, um, I mean, li- literally, I mean, there's big-ass battle scenes where, like, all the dudes on one side look like Thulsa Doom with a Chico Leo beard, and all the dudes on the other side are, you know, Middle Eastern or, you know... Indian or North African actors all playing Egyptians. Now, um, I did see some people go on Twitter and were objecting that the Egyptians weren't black. That that's I think a slightly different issue. I mean, this yeah. is we we saw six hours of chariots and intrigue and pyramids and you know Moroccan villages circa thirteen thousand or rather thirteen hundred BC. Sound like you liked it? I you know I mean so this is the thing. I mean I really enjoyed that. I think you could say, almost say this is Chico's strain. Like a lot of wow. other people that watch it and not like it. Wow. Um, but I I enjoyed it. I mean I'm not gonna lie. All the scenes that involve people who weren't Ben Kingsley or the dude who was the king of Carth. Like, the young people had some trouble with uh, selling some of the corny dialogue, <laughs> but they're all very easy on the eyes. All right, I have a question. I think this is a crucial question. I right. appreciate that you liked it, but can we get these people to somehow revamp Apocalypse for the upcoming X-Men oh, Apocalypse? Oh, wow, right. Because... got out of the show. <laughs> Come on, because look, I mean, Apocalypse is the ultimate Egyptian of the Marvel universe. Right, yep. right, wow. And it's and like, yep. 
you know, it's like I said no, on no Twitter. No love for uh, Kang's former incarnation? Nah, dude. Apocalypse. <laughs> no, apocalypse, apocalypse is the ultimate Egyptian right. in the Marvel Universe. It's a shame that he's bad, but we still have to give him his props. And the thing is, you know, I have faith in X-Men Apocalypse. I love the whole revamp of the X-Men line, but my man looks like out of Stargate. You know what no, I'm saying? He, I mean, it looks like they Ivan have a miss. Ooze from <laughs> he, he, he's Power Ivan Ooze. He's the bad version yeah, of um, He's the bad version of Ronan the Accuser. Yeah, it, he looks like I don't know. If it's not the same guy. He looks like the the villain from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh wow. my lord! He looks like a go bot. He looks like the guy that played Kung, King Koopa. All right, I will say this though: everyone rushing and saying that he should look like he looks in the comic. I no. also say no no right. but he my doesn't look a, dope in that picture my man a, has a big a on his belt right like, no i know you know, no right. there's certain things but and i'm also i will i'm not attacking it like everyone else because like you said he's egyptian while i don't think that's what egyptians were wearing the purple outfit whatever you know <laughs> you don't I, think yeah i wasn't there so <laughs> i don't know on a purple rain tip but i will have faith because it is my man oscar isaac playing him i can't well, even believe that's him he's an amazing actor oh uh, Effing amazing. No I, I just it. peeped Jurassic World this weekend, and I can't believe they managed to squeeze his ass into that. Well, he's supposed to come out in a new miniseries by David Simon, yep. the creator of The Wire, yep. Looking that I really, think goes that... back to um, the 1980s and New York history. And, so, and mayor and uh, distribution of... Um, not wealth, but like how the city is lined up about the mayoral race, I think it has to do with... But my man is on fire because he's got X-Men Apocalypse, Star Wars is about to make him a super duper star. Yeah. And he actually survived to the end of Jurassic World, so he can probably make it to the next one. Right. You know what? Well deserved. Yes. But really, I need to see more to be absolutely convinced of the aesthetic. Oh no, no. I I am not I'm not convinced of the aesthetic. That first picture definitely that I I did not get the reaction. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, I think we would qualify that 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 was an epic fail. That wasn't yeah. Because I mean, did you see first of all, Psylocke was on point. Yeah. Psylocke looked yeah, perfect yeah. and Magneto in like the new red and mm-hmm. black uniform I was like okay but then they got dude in the middle and I'm like okay you've you've just weakened yeah yeah it did yes. not work out at all yeah all right well wait back to tut it's on spike uh the representation is there sometimes the CGI is not there but if you want to see chariots and you know, uh, big big historical epic uh, conflict and intrigue, and he even marries his sister, like Jamie Lannister would love to. Um, and then, you know, uh, so I I enjoyed Tut, but uh, I, I I'm interested in hearing what people think because I'm sure it's going to get bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll just say it sucks, but, you know, check it out on Spike TV. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, you know, we talked about this last week, but I got to re-mention it. Fan Bros is having some huge events for Super Week this year. New York Comic Con Super Week is coming up. We got huge, I mean, ridiculously huge events. You know, the black girl nerds. Oh, wait, I can make that announcement now. Yeah, you can. Because last week I didn't even say it. <laughs> You can be official now. I can be official now. The Black Girl Nerds versus Fan Bros Show live podcast is going down October 6th at 2015. Wow. At 2015. That's right. That's how big it is. Are you going up against my girl Jamie Broadnight? Oh, Lord. It is going to be something special. That's right. Wow. 
You can find out more about this at NewYorkSuperWeek.com. We also have the Attack of the Con, Star Wars versus Star Trek, the debate to end all debates. I'm going to get up the smoothest debate team. You know I'm going to have Guru on a debate team, Yeah, man. I'm going to have to bring in just Blaze maybe on the Star oh. Wars side because I'm not having it. You know how that's going down. And then also, finally, we have the Fan Bros Presents the Crossplay Cosplay Contest. Yo. Which is our new form of cosplay where we want male invisible woman. Yeah. We need uh female colossus. We need all the crossplay cosplay you can think of. Mm-hmm. All these events are NewYorkSuperWeek.com. Check them out. And I want to give a quick shout out. We need people, especially in the cosplay community, hit us up at contact at fanbros.com. Hit us on Twitter. Or on Instagram, wherever, if you would like to be involved in this. Because we want to bring all the different, Mm -hmm. especially the people of color cosplaying. We want to bring them all together for the Crossplay Cosplay Contest. So hit us up at Fanbro Show on Twitter and Instagram. And you know, before we get out of here, what else we got to talk about? We got the winner of the Hip Hop and Geekish T-shirt contest. I said it like it was a wet t-shirt contest. Come on down. So, after the corny music from DJ Benamine, the winner this week is... Black Dean Martin. You're a winner! Yeah, that's right, Black Dean Martin. You have won. I messed with that name, too, Black Dean Martin. Yeah, that's a cool name. You're going to be looking really smooth in your Fan Bros t-shirt. I think this is the Megatron Don one, right? I think this one got Megatron yes. up on it. Yep. Yeah, that, that joint is fireworks right there. So the hip hop and geekish t-shirt of the week goes to Black Dean Martin. You're the winner. <laughs> contest contact us so we can get you your shirt. Yeah. And folks, I'm sad to announce this. This week is the final week. That's right. Not this week, but next week. Yeah. Well, I mean, whenever you hear this show, there's one <laughs> this more show. contest yes. left. <laughs> We'll be giving away one, maybe two. Who knows how we're going to close this out, you know. But we got more shirts coming for you the last week to enter the contest. You know how it goes. Whatever our hashtag of the week is, use it. You're entered automatically. You stand a chance to win this. We got to talk to Ty the Robot who came up with this whole grand scheme because we're going to find a way to get these shirts into more people's hands. That's all I'm saying. Hey, wait, I'm, I'm going to keep it I don't know if we're going to do a contest, you know, how we're going to bring it. I'm going to keep it quiet. Oh, oh Tatiana we, we might, might have some, some news. Oh, oh, oh. But I oh. can't say nothing. Oh, we can't say nothing yet? All mm-hmm. right, that's fine. So once again, congratulations to Black Dean Martin. Use the hashtag that we put out. As always, thank you for everyone who's been supporting us on this T-shirt giveaway and all our hashtags. Shout out to Ty the Robot again for popping off with Animated Black Girls and the New Butters support better content mm-hmm. check those hashtags right now on your favorite social media they are popping off as always make sure you follow us on twitter and instagram check out all of our great stuff at fanbros.com you can subscribe to the show on itunes on soundcloud all that good stuff we're always looking for more people to join the team if you have what it takes to be a member of the fanbros empire that's what i like to call it now the empire Hit us up at contact at fanbros.com. Big shouts to Joe Illich for joining us in the spaceship Cheer. tonight. Joe, let them know where they can find you at. Um, you can find me at Joseph P. Illich on Twitter, Joe Illich on Facebook, and my column, The Mission, on diversity in comics and entertainment. 
comes out every Monday at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time at comicbookresources.com. A.M. or P.M.? P.M. Oh, you late. You, you, you give them to them late in the day so they can enjoy it on their way home. When That's they get it. Home they had a up. rough day at work, so I need to light them up. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah, check, check out. <laughs> Check out that column, Joe. I've been, you know, definitely, I've always read it from time to time, but last few weeks I've been on it every week, and you have been on fuego. Thank so, you very you know, much. Salute for that. Anything else before we get out of here, Tatiana? Nobby. Chico Leo? Nah, I got to get back to the tables. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking, not stirred, and peace to all the fan bros out there. Fan bros! Fan bros!